0: Hey friends, here's a rebroadcast of an earlier conversation that I think you'll enjoy. I wanted to be sure that you had something worth your listening time while I take a few weeks to rest and restore by stepping away from the digital world. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website To take advantage of all the special offers, our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how.
1: Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
0: I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to janeapp slash switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code GEOLOGICAL at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Deborah Wolf, welcome to Geological.
2: Oh, thank you for inviting me, Michael.
0: I always enjoy having a little cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever with friends that are living across the pond somewhere. I mean, it's fun to talk to people down the street, but, uh, you know, we have the magic of the internet, so we can talk to pretty much anybody anywhere. That's what we're doing today. And today, I want to talk to you about Something in Chinese medicine that always seems super esoteric. I could never wrap my brain around it. I've talked to other people about it. I still have trouble wrapping my brain around it. Stems and branches.
2: Mm, scary stuff.
0: Is it scary to you?
2: No, I think it's fascinating. No. Absolutely fascinating. think it's fascinating? fascinating.
1: Yeah, I oh,
0: do. Great. That's why I'm talking <laughs> to you today. So, I often ask people how they found their way to Chinese medicine school. I mean, I'm kind of interested in that, but more to the point, and the thing I'm super curious about, is what drew you to the whole stems and branches thing?
2: Oh, where well, was a total accident? <laughs> or rather, synchronicity, let's say?
0: Ah, uh, synchronicity, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Tell us about the synchronicity.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and one of those things, you know, time came around again and I knew that I had to go and study acupuncture and what did I do? I went to the nearest place and it happens to be the oldest acupuncture college in Britain that specializes in stems and branches and I knew nothing about it.
0: How did you know that you needed to study Chinese medicine?
2: Well, you know, I think it's probably that typical story. I wasn't very well. I was brought up very scientifically. I thought acupuncture was a load of poo. Eventually, I went to an acupuncturist. They sorted me out. I had this crazy experience while I was feeling very negative about it. Like, I wish he'd just get on with it. Why does he keep asking me all these stupid questions that haven't got anything to do with my problem? (laughs) Classic. Classic. Why am I here? Why am I paying this guy money? This is not getting me anywhere.
0: Shut the hell up and let's get to the needles. Yeah,
2: exactly. And then he put the needle in and I had this really weird sensation that went all the way up my arm and across my shoulder to the front of my face to the other side of my nose. And I must have made some kind of weird twitch or something because the acupuncturist said, what happened there? And I said, oh, I've had this really weird sensation and I showed him where it had gone and he turned around and he pointed to his chart and I described the whole of the Colon Meridian. At the time, obviously, I didn't know it was the Colon Meridian. So I thought, hey, there is something to this. And then he sorted me out.
0: That changed your mind, didn't it?
2: I loved the way he was in himself. That was the main thing. I just thought, wow, there's something about this guy. I'm not in love with him. I don't think he's special, but I like the way he is in himself. And there's something there. I want to know. I want to learn this. And then I waited 10 years, and then off I went to the nearest acupuncture college.
0: Which just happened to have a thing for stems and branches. How did your school tend to have this thing for stems and branches? I mean, is there a backstory to that? Was there somebody there yeah. who just kind of knew it? Or Yeah, okay, yeah.
2: What's... so I don't know what you know about the history of acupuncture schools in Britain. Maybe not, not very much. Not
0: much, other than Tara Worsley had a place at Leamington Spa. Yeah. And there's supposedly a lot of alternative medicine people happening in Brighton. (laughs) And there's a really good guy who can fix my WordPress stuff, but he lives outside of London. That's all I know.
2: So, um, yeah, so my first experience of acupuncture was in Leamington Spa because I happened to be at university there. So I was actually treated by a Worsley practitioner um, in, in the place where they were in this industrial unit near the station. It was really hidden and quite quiet and in the middle of sort of like you wouldn't expect an acupuncture college there. And I think that was before Worsley went to the States. So J.R. Worsley trained, along with the founder of our college, at the same time with the same teacher. And um, English acupuncture comes from French acupuncture, actually. So we, we all follow the Vietnamese stroke French tradition.
0: Wait a minute. Your teacher studied, was like classmates with J.R. Worsley.
2: Correct. There was maybe three in the class.
0: Okay, that, to me this is interesting because I'm not a five element dude. I mean, I don't know a lot about that tradition, other than like trying to figure out Jarrah Worsley's backstory is almost impenetrable. I mean, there's a whole book that's been written about it.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. In the footsteps of the Yellow Emperor, is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, yeah, yeah, Peter yeah. Reference book. Yeah, really interesting.
0: Yeah, what's your teacher's name?
2: The founder of our college was um, Dr. Van Buren. He was a Dutch guy who was born in, I don't know, maybe Indonesia or something, and uh, had a very esoteric upbringing. And then he was a prisoner of war in Japan, and then he he was a naturopath, and then he studied acupuncture after that.
0: Interesting. Okay. So your stuff kind of comes from the French tradition.
2: As does Worsley's.
0: As does Worsley's. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. And
2: you see, that's part of the problem for me is that because the moment I started studying, I realized that all our stuff had been translated through, translated through, translated through lots of different languages I live in England, but actually, my mum's Italian, so I've always spoken more than two languages, and I've done a lot of translating and interpreting. And so, I was quite horrified at the idea that there were all these these terms, and people use different terms, but were they the same characters? And you know, was it mistranslated because people didn't know anything about acupuncture, and you know, all this stuff? So we got classical Chinese translated through Vietnam or France, then to English. What a nightmare!
0: right and not only translated you know in terms of words but you're translating through culture through time through a person's perspective were they a missionary were they a business exactly. person exactly they didn't know anything you know. about it it can be so tricky going through culture language a person's ability to translate in the first place and then you've just got time and space i mean chinese people in the han dynasty Chinese people in the Song Dynasty, I mean, what does a Song Dynasty person really understand about a Han Dynasty person?
2: Probably nothing, I suspect.
0: Probably not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we have this tradition that has come down through all these different influences, and we think we know what we're talking about. and we haven't got a clue. I mean, how do you puzzle this stuff out? You speak several languages. I know you speak some Chinese. We've written a little back and forth in Chinese, so... You might even speak a lot of Chinese. How much Chinese do you speak?
2: I don't speak a lot, but I read and write in classical yeah, Chinese.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, my okay. spoken
2: Chinese is not very good.
0: It's hard. Yeah, mine it is hard. <laughs> reading's but reading's easier because you have time to like puzzle stuff through.
2: Yeah, and also I haven't really got, I mean, um, you know, I haven't got enough time in my life. So, you know, I speak a few languages and really I'm just interested in being able to read the texts.
0: Yes. Yes. So how do you puzzle out what's relevant and useful
2: <laughs> well i have this theory studying chinese medicine for me has become much clearer by understanding that it's it's number based the more we understand about numbers the more we understand chinese medicine
0: uh-oh <laughs> does this mean i have to know how to do like you know calculus and all no, that stuff no
2: no no rubbish none of that just normal numbers only the numbers one to nine is plenty.
0: All right. I'm in.
2: <laughs> You're in. Hooray. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so the numbers one to nine, this relates to stems and branches, yes?
2: Absolutely. You know that there are 10 stems and 12 branches, which is basically five and six.
0: Mm-hmm. I've heard well, like five phases. Yes. Six six confirmations or levels or yeah. Jing, you know, whatever you want to do. Divisions, call it. whatever you yeah, want to call Yeah. Yeah. The Ojing. Yeah. I just. These days, I just want to say six Jing because that's so hard to translate.
2: Yeah, well, there you go. It's another one where people translate it so many different ways, and then you never know what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) Or or we'll argue over how we're translating it instead of just going, oh, it refers to this thing or this process. We get hung up on, oh, it's a level or or, no, it's a, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And something that doesn't get talked about very much either, does it? We spend a lot of time talking about it at my college.
0: And when you talk about it, what are you talking about? Like, clue us in on that conversation.
2: Well, we're talking about the connections between five and six.
0: You know, in my initial training, I can't say about how my teachers understood it, because, you know, as a student, there's a bunch of stuff that you're not going to understand probably for 10 years. Um, but I remember studying five phases in the six Jing, And it's like, okay, I can kind of look at the world through the five phases, or I can kind of look at the world through the six jing, but like putting them together, I couldn't figure out how to squish them together. Mm. Have you got some insight on that?
2: I mean, there's lots of different ways of looking at it. One of the ways that you can look at it is that um, five or 10 relates to things that are in heaven, and six or 12 relates to things that are on earth. So five has got a lot more to do with, or ten has got a lot more to do with space, and twelve or six has got a lot more to do with time, and we can think about the way that um, we move from five to six, or ten to twelve, which is that story about when you're in the womb, and you're still in heaven then, and you've only got ten zang fu organs. And you don't actually have a Jing-Luo system. You don't actually have a meridian system at all until you're born. It doesn't start until you have your first breath and your first suckle. And that moment is the moment when suddenly, if you look at Western medicine, when you're in the womb, you have an oxygenated blood system as an embryo because you can't breathe. So there's red blood that is going through your body coming from your mother. But the moment you're born, you have to breathe. And so suddenly you need to have a place for non-oxygenated blood and oxygenated blood. And so that means that your heart is divided into two. And that's when the, the septum closes. That's the way they call it in um Western medicine. And in that moment, that's when fire, the element fire or the phase fire, becomes two. Emperor fire, which is the heavenly one and minister fire, which is the earthly one.
0: This is a piece of Western physiology that I was not aware of. I mean, I see what you're saying. The heart is an embryo, or is a fetus. You're not breathing oxygen. You're just taking that that in from your mother. But as soon as you have to breathe, the heart goes through this profound physiological change. and it divides itself in two.
2: Yes, that's right. Bang. You've got... It just
0: comes right on.
2: yeah you know there's one bit once once you're born you've got one bit that that is related to the lungs so it's bringing oxygen into the blood and then there's another bit that is to do with pumping it round and then bringing the stuff that is now had its oxygen removed back up to the lungs so you've got like a blue bit and a red bit if you want right in, in simple right. terms
0: so the heart transforms instantaneously in that moment of birth
2: that's when the septum closes yeah and you know wow. you have for instance children who have heart defects where the hole doesn't mm-hmm. shut and so they've got
1: right tarnished I've heard about that. blood
2: for instance because it's not mm-hmm. it's not you, it can't stay in the right way if you see what i
0: mean and And this is where we get minister and imperial fire. This is another one of those areas, ministerial, imperial fire. I mean, I've heard the terms tossed about for years. I know it's important because people talk about it a lot throughout history. And yet I'm kind of sitting here going, I don't really get it. I mean, if I had to explain it to my 14-year-old niece, I'd be at a loss.
2: <laughs> so, you know, this this is the moment where your 10 becomes your 12, because that's when you add on Shinbao, Shinju, what you might call the pericardium, and Sanjiao, which are two organs with a name but no form. They're actually minister fire. They're the things that allow your maintenance rather than your creation. They're to do with becoming 12 rather than being 10. They're not actually real organs, are they?
0: Well, their functions. Exactly. There's a there's a case to be made that there is indeed a sort of fibrous bag around the heart that we could call pericardium. And lately they've even found something in the connective tissue they call the interstitium.
2: Yes. And that and I agree. That's a very interesting area. I agree. But I don't think that's what they were talking about.
0: Yeah. What do you think they were talking about?
2: I know that we can make, oh God, let's not get into that story of trying to sort of put Western thinking onto Chinese thinking. I think that is a problem. But I know, for instance, in the Hara Diagnosis book by Stephen Birch and Matsumoto, Kiko Matsumoto, um, they make a really good case for Sanjiao being the membranes and the connective tissue. And that makes a lot of sense to me. It really does. You know, I, I, I can relate to that. But these are still things that are not functioning until after you're born. So you still have this functional aspect. And it's to do with our maintenance. The fire of our maintenance rather than the fire of our creation. It's very different to the fire of the heart. The fire of the heart is a heavenly fire. It's it's you know, it's our shen. It's not something that is ours, if you see what I mean.
0: Ooh. Now that's a provocative thought that our shen is not ours.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's heavenly. It descends, it comes into the it comes into the embryo at the third month. That's what the quickening's about
0: okay, quickening
2: quickening is um when you really do feel that something is going on um if you're pregnant, you know it's only after three months that the embryo is seriously established that you can start to feel something happening before then, really, in Chinese embryological thought, ancient Chinese embryological thought you weren't you weren't really pregnant you you didn't really have a baby if as such,
0: mhm. Until that three months. I know, certainly here in the West, that first three months, I find women are generally quite reluctant to say too much about being pregnant until that first three months has passed. At least I've seen that with my patients.
2: Yeah, until around about 12, 13 weeks, you don't really feel it's well-established. And you're going through this roller coaster, hormones all over the place, you're feeling tired, you're feeling sick, you don't know what's going on. And then suddenly, boof, things change. And you're like, oh my God, I am actually pregnant. (laughs) you know so there's this thing about three you know this three thing that's why we have three hun for instance talking about numbers of course because three hun again we've got that thing you know it's like um traditionally it was on when the baby was three days old or three months old then the father would look them in the eyes look at their hun and then they'd give them the name so again you've got this this three thing which is you know the hún is just an expression of the shen. It's your physical expression, or your not even physical, but spiritual expression of the shen. Your individualized shen, if you want.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's an aspect of shen that that comes in. It's not ours. Is the aspect of shen that is, I guess we could call it us. Yeah. And then what's the third? You said that there's three. Three hún. Oh, three hún. Yeah. I thought one shen. Just one hun.
2: No, there's three. Three hún and seven po. That makes 10. Oh my. That makes 10.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. I can see we're going to have a lot of fun with numbers here. <laughs> All right. I'm going to express my ignorance because I thought there was one Hun and one Po, and now I'm hearing that there's three Hun and seven Po.
2: Yeah. Three okay. Hun, which is to do with heaven, earth, and man. And they live in the three jows, San jous.
0: So each jiao has its own hun. It does. So to speak. Yeah. So the hun of the upper jiao would be the shen. Mm-mm. Is that correct? No, I'm 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 off track here.
2: No, all three hun are like an expression of the shen. They're like our individualized shen. This is that idea of um three is one, which you also see in the body, for instance, with um Du Mai, Ren Mai, and Chong Mai.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you see, it in a lot of religions as well.
2: Exactly. Yeah, right? I was I was going to avoid that because you know religion. I'm not very good at that.
1: <laughs>
0: well, I, I I had an experience recently. I, I took an individual meditation and in solitude retreat, and I did it at a Franciscan um, retreat center. Wow. Yeah, and you know they got crosses all over the place. Well, yeah, a Franciscan, right? <laughs> Which is a little creepy to me sometimes because I grew up Jewish, so it's always like a little weird. But, you know, and then they got, you know, Jesus hanging on the cross. But I'm away on a little meditation retreat here, and I look at it early on in my time there, and I look at it and I go, look at that. There's a vertical line. That's heaven. There's a horizontal line. There's earth. And what's in the middle? Ren. It's like it's right there in the Christian mythology. It's just plain as a nose on your face, right?
2: Five, five, five.
0: Five. Uh-oh.
2: <laughs> Warning okay, five. Okay, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> Warning five. Okay, we're coming up to five. I want to hear about five in a moment. Have you watched Umbrella Academy?
2: Well, you know I did. And that number five, he's the only one that doesn't have a name.
0: And what does he move through? Time and space.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> but what so, about six? What about six, huh? <laughs>
0: Wait a minute, which one's number six?
2: Yeah, I don't know, but you know, there's something missing. Wait, I forget who six is. Maybe he's the dead one.
3: Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical, and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the Governor Channel or the Sea of Yang, the Primal Reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth, but this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at annsecilsturman.com forward slash sinews 2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at Sturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you.
0: Oh man, I'm going to have to go back and watch it. <laughs> anyway, number five is, is is quite a character. Yes. So, all right, we're all over the place. I'm hoping we're going to tie this together, <laughs> but stems and branches.
2: <laughs> it's always all over the place.
0: <laughs> There's always all over the place. All right. Well, I'm, I'm good for it. I want to come back to 307 poll in a moment, but you just said number five. I'm talking about heaven, earth, and person. We're talking about Jesus on a cross. And you go number five. Where's that number five come from? Now, what are we looking at?
2: Okay, now you talked about vertical and horizontal. So, one way we can look at this is that the vertical axis is our creation. That's to do with fire and water, Shen and Jing, heaven and earth. Oh,
0: heart and kidney.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Right. And what's the horizontal axis? That's where we live. That's our created world. That's like sunrise and sunset. Wood and metal. Hun and po as two balances of the two sides of the balance of the, you know, that kind of thing. I can't think of the word, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. It's the it's the the daily cycle, basically. Yeah. Sunrise, sunset. The spring equinox, the fall equinox.
2: Rising up, pushing down. They're always trying to balance each other out. And so what happens when you have a vertical axis and a horizontal axis? That's five, because there's the center.
0: Okay. And each of the axes have an up and a down. There's a dynamic movement between them.
2: Well, yeah, but there's a difference between the movement between heaven and earth or fire and water, or Shen and Jing, to the movement between wood and metal or east and west or sunrise or sunset or Hun and Po, because we're changing from creation to created.
0: Now it's starting to get weird. <laughs> I'm going to circle back to this in a moment. I've got a feeling we might kind of go all over the place here, but hopefully we'll tidy it up in a way that will be satisfying by the end of the discussion.
2: Oh, Michael, I really hope we can manage that, but I doubt it.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> all right. Y'all are warned. We may not get there, but I'm I'm doing my best, okay? So I want to come back to the 307 point for a moment. And again, I I, th- I think we're probably going to step in different parts of the conversation. Hopefully they will come together in some way that's that's satisfying tell me more about the three hun i've got this idea there's this one hun it's located in the liver that's my basic level of understanding help me get from that one to the three so i can i can grasp that one
2: because the hun are an expression of the shen the shen isn't ours it's it's heavenly everything that is expressed in our body It it can't be just a unity. It has to be expressed in something more than one. That's why we have yin-yang. That's why we have heaven, earth, and man, or heaven, man, and earth. That's why we have qi. Qi is actually to do with three. It's the interaction between yin and yang. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Okay. So that's why we have san jiao. San jiao is in three parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. The Hun is an expression. It's wanting to be like the Shen. It's expressing the Shen in our bodies.
0: On the individual level. Yeah, that's right. It, it's the expression of Shen on the individual physical and psycho emotive levels.
2: Yeah. Or even just emotional, psycho, whatever level. It can only be three, it can only be the first possible expression of one which is three, just like heaven, earth, and man, or Ren Mai, Du Mai, Chong Mai. It's that first stopping point. We're moving towards things that are more physical. Things are more physical when we get to five or six. We haven't got to more physical yet, so we have to get to three.
0: Okay, and the three is where you've got something, you've got the counter to something, and then the relation between them.
2: Yeah, that's right. And, you know, if you really wanted to get into number stuff, then you could also, for instance, talk about the Hertu. Do you know about the Hertu? It's the one that's, uh, you know, there were two different maps that were found that are supposed to be very ancient. One is the Luoshu and the other one's the Hertu. And one was found on the back of the tortoise by the great Yu, And the other one came on the dragon horse. And I think it was Fuxi who saw it.
0: Not familiar with these at all?
2: They're um, cosmological maps of the universe. And when you look at the tool which is the one that was on the back of a dragon horse, I'm not entirely sure what a dragon horse is, to be honest. They have number relationships. And what they're describing is the vertical axis, the horizontal axis, and then coming to the center. And they have numbers to do that. So it starts in the north, in the bottom, and then it goes up to the south at the top So that's number one and number two. So that's the vertical axis, creation. And then it goes to the-
0: fire, water. Exactly.
2: And then it goes to the horizontal axis. And then number three is wood. And number four is metal. And then it comes back to the center. And guess what that number is?
0: Mr. Five.
2: Yeah, you got it. So you could also say that that's one of the reasons why we have three related to Hun and Wood. And, you know, that it's the third movement if you want you know you do you do start Ah. in the north then you join up with the south so you've got the creative axis and then you start doing the created axis and you start in wood and then you go to metal and then you complete in in the middle in the center yeah
0: it makes so much sense so wood is the beginning of the creative aspect yeah the, the like the created the created. created,
2: yeah. and wood is wood is springtime. Wood is beginnings. It's visible beginnings rather than hidden beginnings because actually hidden beginnings is in the north in wintertime. That's number one,
0: right. Which is when Chinese have the spring festival right no. or the or the new year. <laughs> No. It's, it's, no. It, isn't it in the middle of winter it's like the middle of No. Like in, winter late. solstice
2: is not the same as spring festival. Spring no, no, festival. Oh no, no, I get that. Yeah. It's different.
0: It, okay. So let me <laughs> let me be a little bit more clear. Winter solstice, right? It's not the same. It's a little past winter solstice when you still cannot see it. Any person living in a northern part of the hemisphere, you know, where you get winter, at the end of January, early February, you're gonna look outside and go, I don't see any signs of spring whatsoever. But like you were just saying, deep where it's still unseen. Yeah, the influence has already turned. It may not, it is not yet manifest, but it's on the way.
2: It's almost there though, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's almost coming out at spring festival, while winter solstice is the deep, hidden beginning, which is to do with mm-hmm. water.
0: Mm-hmm. But I I think for me it's emblematic that by the time something arises and becomes manifest, I mean when you first start to see it, that's not when it began. It began a while back and it was still very, very unseen. Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah. All right. So wood, number three, hun, mm-hmm. and lots to do with three. It's a threeing thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> is all over the place, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's all over the place,
2: and it's the first. It's the first expression of one. You know, we three are one. is a is a really common thing. You know.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've got this this three, which is one, and then we move into four.
2: Yeah, four seasons, four directions, mm-hmm. but four is already almost immediately five because you can't have four without having the center.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, four implies the center. I mean, that, that comes into, the five comes into being as soon as you've got the four.
2: Yes, that's right. And that's why you have those maps where sometimes, you know, the cosmological ones, they're like a cross. And then it's only later on that becomes like that um, five phases thing where it's in a sort of circular sequence.
0: Mm-hmm. But a lot of people will take that earth element and put it smack dab in the middle. Yeah.
2: It, it so really still,
0: helps. So we still have that that sort of cosmic cross.
2: It's very useful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Seven poor.
2: <laughs> so, you know, spring, wood, hun, it's all rising. It's trying to go towards the shen. It's It's like a manifestation of the shen. It's light. It needs to be grounded by the blood, which is stored by the liver. This upward movement is balanced by the downward movement of metal of the lungs. It's down-pressing. Yeah?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And yes, I'm with you.
2: Yeah, so the, the poor, they're kind of pulling down, and so they're related to qi. That's what the lung does. It's to do with mastering the qi. Why are they seven? They relate them to the seven orifices of the body.
0: Oh, eyes, ears, nose, mouth.
2: Yeah, because the okay. poor is the thing that when you die, the opposite time to when you're born, wood, spring, all that kind of stuff, when you die, the poor is what has to leave the body in the correct manner. And if it doesn't, then it becomes a ghost, a gway. It needs to attach itself to a body. And that's why they used to stopper the the, you know, the mouth and the anus and because the you know, the anus is called poor men the door of the Po.
0: Online. That's right, yeah. yeah.
2: So the right. idea is that you're stopping it so that it can stay within the body and then it can go into the ground with the bones because it's a much more physical, corporeal soul. That's what they call it. Corpo in Italian means body. Yeah, so we've got seven, three and seven. And ten, of course, is its completion, but its completion on earth. So, you know, 10 is like one, really.
0: And we have the 10 heavenly stems.
2: That's right. Yeah. Heavenly, which have to do with space.
0: Well, you know, when we start talking about time and space, it it very quickly, in my mind, you know, because I grew up here in the West and, you know, I've read the stuff I've read over the years, it, it very quickly makes me think about things like quantum physics and quantum mechanics and... You know all those really interesting writings by the you know, physicists of the early part of the last century. I mean, these guys lived you know a hundred years ago. I mean, we're just now beginning, I think, in our culture to see how some of what they were talking about actually makes sense. I mean, they talk about time and space in such a phenomenal way, and how, I mean, just the act of consciousness observing something in matter will change the fabric of the universe in a sense.
2: Yeah. Amazing. I agree.
0: And you agree. <laughs> do the stems and branches have something to say about that? Or am I just trying to glue no. together two things that have nothing to do with each other?
2: Yeah. You're putting Western stuff onto Chinese stuff.
0: Okay. I'll just drop that then.
2: Get your Chinese mind on.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I like putting my Chinese mind on. I find it's a helpful and useful thing to do so. Cause if I can look at things through my Chinese mind, I can see things that I can't see with my Western mind. The, the trick for me is being able to really put on my Chinese mind and gently lay aside my Western mind. Not that I get rid of it, but just like lay it aside and be able to in some way differentiate what is my Western mind? What's my Chinese mind? Cause there's always this guy in the middle that's going, look, I can hook this stuff up. But some stuff isn't meant to be hooked up, I suspect.
2: No, I think sometimes when you try and hook it up, you actually kind of just confuse things for yourself.
0: So I'm just going to put that on the shelf for the moment and come back to the creative and the created. It's evocative just to put those two terms together that way. It's very poetic. I'd like to hear more what you have to say about that, basically, in a way that can help us understand the work we do in our clinical practice? Is there some kind of clinical, I don't want to say application, but some way that understanding this dynamic of creative and created can help us in the work we do?
2: Really what you're looking at is the more you can understand or the more you can get your head around the way that Han Chinese thought about the cosmos and their place in the cosmos, Um, the more you can understand the way that they wrote what they wrote. It doesn't seem to be so weird, if you want, but you do have to put your Chinese head on. You know, if you think about it, these were people who were living outdoors as farmers So they observed the sky, and they observed the seasons, they looked at what happened over time, and they applied this to the body because they had the underlying understanding that the cosmos and the body were the same thing.
0: They did not see themselves separate from nature.
2: Absolutely not.
0: That's very hard for us.
2: Well, I think, I think we're silly to think that we are separate from nature. Well,
0: I would agree with that. And certainly you look at the condition of the world and and that I, I think it's pretty obvious to those who have eyes to see it. And yet it's a very persistent illusion that I end at my the edge of my skin.
2: Mm. I know. But actually, you know, the more you look, the more you read, the only way to make any sense out of this is by understanding that. What happens around you is actually what's happening inside you. And that is really fundamentally the basis of what they call stems and branches. It's just an understanding of, and you you even see that in the Yellow Empress classic, it talks about, um, you know, to be a good doctor, you have to be a good astrologer and a good geographer, and then you'll be good at you know, working with the body. And what they're saying is you need to know about space. You need to know about time and then you'll be good at what you do. That's all they're saying.
0: Makes sense as we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, I mean, you know how some things are, you don't quite have it. You hear something and you go, that makes sense. And then you actually try to say it yourself and you realize that you don't quite have it yet. Right. You, you've got like a glimmer. You've got a glimpse maybe something that feels like a hunch and now you got to go and kind of work at figuring it out what does this really mean how does it really work how do i how do i do this it, i mean to me this is capital p practice
2: it totally saddens me that um that we have been sold this this system that's called TCM which is not traditional in any way whatsoever, and all the bits that are actually the understanding of how the Han Chinese viewed themselves within the cosmos has been excised from teaching of acupuncture. You know, I'm constantly horrified. Like, Michael, I'm sure you're a great practitioner, and I'm saddened by the fact that you didn't know there were three Hun.
0: I'm rather surprised. (laughs) That I didn't yeah. know that there were three coin. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And Why not?
0: Four, seven points.
2: Yeah, precisely.
0: I, <laughs> I get the number five, though.
2: Great. <laughs> Good.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but do you know how five links to six? Tell me about it. Well, again, here we go. So you're in heaven. You're in the womb. It's all to do with five and ten. And then you're born. suddenly. Your Jing Luo system starts. What's that based on? Six and 12. It's the Liu Jing. And what do they do? They connect on the outside with the climates and on the inside, five and six. And they keep pulling the wool over our eyes. They keep saying, there's five Zhang and six Fu. But how can there be 12 Jing Luo? That doesn't make sense. And then they start talking this story about, oh yeah, there's Shin Bao, and then there's the heart and blah, blah, blah. Do, do you know what I mean? So they're always, they don't stop talking about five and six. It's just from start to finish. They keep saying, hey, five. Hey, six. Hey,
3: five. Hey, what about six?
0: But they're both interconnected. So you could talk about five or you could talk about six and it has more to do with where you're standing and what you're looking at. Then is there, you know, is five a reality or is six a reality? The answer is they're both. Yeah, they're both realities.
2: Correct, but five has got a lot more to do with the way things move in the heavens, and six has got a lot more to do the way things move on Earth. Okay,
0: so five zang. Yeah, because I just heard you say five has to do with heaven. So you're saying that the five zang are really about uh, the influence of heaven within these these viscera within our body.
2: Within the within the body, what do the Zhang do? What's their primary function? What do they do?
0: Well you know, traditionally we've been told they store the essence. Right. They store the clear. They're mainly about storage. And they're also considered more vital. It's like the Fu are considered second-class citizens in the world of organs. It's like, you got the Zong, and the, the Zong is <laughs> super important. In the Fu, eh, expendable. Yeah.
2: So what about these, you know, okay, so what does that tell you? Are they more heavenly compared to the Fu?
0: Well, I, again, I think it depends on where you stand and what you're thinking about. If you, if you say heaven is more important than earth, then maybe you could make that argument.
2: I mean, when you're talking about heaven and earth, they're they're a duality. They're always in constant connection. I would say Uh,
0: that they're always in constant connection and and they are reflecting each other.
2: Yes. But when you look at the cosmogony, the way that the universe was formed from a Han Chinese or even earlier point of view, what happened? The light and the clear went up to heaven and the dense and the impure collected downwards on earth. So you have anything that's pure is inherently more more heavenly. And that's what the Zang do. They store heavenly stuff. And then there's different manifestations of heavenly stuff because we're in the world of five. So, you know, you know you've got one, two, three, four, five, but it's still pure stuff, mm-hmm. which is more heavenly.
0: I get that. I can follow that good yes All Right, and then we got our fu yeah which is the expression of heaven in the earthly aspect
2: yeah if you want why not it's dealing with the outside what the what the fu are doing is they're protecting the zang basically
3: mm-hmm.
2: and they're connecting with the outside you know this is where you also get that story about the liu jing they're connecting with the outside
0: In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jing Well points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of Qi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico Needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico Needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. We have this sort of interior heaven, so to speak, in the Zong. We have these conduits that connect that with the, I'm going to call it, outer world, the outer environment. The climates. The climates. That's more the foo. That's the realm of the foo. Yeah, you know, to do with six. To do with six. And of course, life comes from the interaction of these things.
2: Between the two. That's right. And incidentally, little side note, you know I said that they keep talking about five and six. What about the story of the extraordinary foo?
0: chi Jing. The so which extraordinary the
2: extraordinary foo.
0: Which one did There's
2: six of them. Do you know about the extraordinary foo? Oh, oh, no. The, oh, I'm so
0: sorry. No, no, this is great. <laughs> Tell me about the extraordinary foo. I didn't know about I didn't know so, that we had extraordinary foo. Okay, Fru so there's
2: a there's a chapter in the Suen. I'm sorry, I can't remember which one it is. Instead of saying there are five Zhang and six fu, what it says is there are five foo. And six extraordinary foo. <laughs> and it says, well, what are these extraordinary foo? It says, well, the extraordinary foo, why are they called extraordinary? And you know already that there's got to be a, a hint because they use the the word extraordinary chi like they use for the chi jing bai Right. So, mm-hmm. you know. It's got something to do with Jing and, and you know, before birth and all that kind of, you know, pre-heavenly sort of stuff. Yeah. And then what does it say? Well, they're called Extraordinary Fu because they look like Fu, but they store like Zhang.
0: Oh, you mean like the gallbladder?
2: The gallbladder is one of the extraordinary foo. It's the only one that is a normal foo and an extraordinary foo. The other ones are something like um, the brain, the bones, the marrow, the my, and the uterus.
0: The uterus as an extraordinary foo. Okay. Wow. I'm going to have to go back and reread some of this stuff. I I really appreciate the clue of how to... uh, look at this and approach it and I think to the credit of my teachers I think I have heard this kind of thing before but when I was first learning Chinese medicine it was enough just to wrap my mind around like 12 channels and some acupuncture points right getting into the kind of stuff we're talking about now I had no bandwidth for it
2: yeah I mean our students they work really hard
0: you really torture (laughs) them don't you
2: we do (laughs) But, you know, if they get to the end, they're pretty bloody good
0: acupuncturists. Well, it sounds like they have, uh, no pun intended, but a rather extraordinary view of how things are put together and how they interact.
2: Yeah, I think they get a really good foundation.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to figure out which chapter that is from the Sue Wen because that should go in the show notes page so people can check it out for themselves. We'll We'll have to get that figured out.
2: That shouldn't be too hard. I think I can probably work it out quite quickly. Great.
0: You can send that to me. I'll tell you later. Great. So I wanted to talk about stems and branches, and it's taken us 50 minutes just to get to the point. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. We might have to come back and do a part two. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. So stems and branches. I want the beginning acupuncture lesson on stems and branches. I mean, I'd love to get into some more detailed stuff at another time, but right now I would like to get sort of stems and branches 101. Talk to me like you talk to one of your beginning acupuncture students when it comes to stems and branches. What do I need to know? How can I start to think about it? And is there a way that I can begin to maybe not use it in clinic, but look to see how it arises in clinic?
2: I'm afraid I shock my students, especially right at the beginning. Luckily, they've seen me before, so they're not too shocked. But the first thing I do is uh, is I I spend one whole day talking to them about space. and I talk about the planets, the visible planets, and I introduce the concept of um, the heavenly stems, which are all about um, the movements of the planets in the cosmos. And then the next day, which is usually a few days later, uh, allowing them a little bit of time to get over their horrendous shock and um, brain strain, I spend another day talking about time and the branches and calendars and things like that. So stems and branches is if 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 I had to give like a an elevator pitch, which I'm not very good at, I'm afraid, I would say that it's Um, What is behind um, Five Elements? It where Five Elements actually came from. It's the foundations of Five Elements. And it allows you to use Five Elements in deeper and more effective ways than just the Sheng and the Ke cycle of Five Elements.
0: That sounds really enticing. I mean, it does. I mean, I I remember reading in the Nanjing, and and they talk about, like, the different types of control in the cause cycle, right? There's, like, the control, that's the kind of control you should have, and then there's the control that's, like, you know, super egregious control, and then there's, like, counter, I can't remember the names of all of them, but basically they're looking, they're taking one phase, and they're looking at control as coming from the other four phases. They each have a different kind of control that can be applied.
2: Yeah. That's right. Some
0: are more useful. Some are super pathogenic.
2: Yeah, that's right. So these are different different combinations. If you want, so just like we know that liver and gallbladder they go together in wood element. Then, um, for instance, in stems we have an association between gallbladder and spleen, or in branches we have an association between gallbladder and heart. And so it allows us to use the organs or the channels with different ways of working, if you want.
0: So if you understand the relations of the stems and branches and how they relate to the organs.
2: And it, the channels.
0: And the channels. It it really gives you another map for how to intervene, depending on what you're seeing in clinic.
2: Yes. And those maps, there's more than one map, have got a lot to do with what we were talking about before, you know, like the circular heaven and the creative and the created axis or the square earth and the idea of where you put the earth. Does it go in the center or um, does it go between the seasons or, you know, all those, these are different maps, if you want, always around this. And you can look at these um, with relation to different levels of manifestation or just to do with space or just to do with time or to do with your core your inner inner being as opposed to your personality for instance or to do with your parents as opposed to your children there are so many different ways that you can use it
0: holy smokes <laughs> It leaves me a little speechless, and I usually have something to say.
2: Oh, that's great, Michael. I'm really pleased. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I do want to get deeper into it.
2: I think you should come and come to England and do some studying.
0: oh man, okay i'm I'm gonna go buy a plane ticket. Uh, <laughs> I, I would like to. okay, so for somebody that would like to learn more about this. I mean, do we have to come to your school and start over as a new acupuncture student? Do you have some <laughs> kind of like continuing education stuff you do? Do I have to come hang with you in clinic for a month? I mean, I mean, what would it take to begin to learn the basic maps and then how to apply them?
2: We do have people who are acupuncturists, who come and follow the third year Chinese medicine module, which is basically about stems and branches. The more I teach it, the more I realise that actually it would be a lot easier and a lot more helpful to teach this to people who are already graduates rather than people who are third year students. Because it really feels like I'm trying to stuff an already full goose, to be honest. Um, I can explain things much clearer and I can I can see those glimmers of understanding much more with somebody who's been in practice for a while than for people who are still struggling.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I mean, a few minutes ago, we were talking about the extraordinary foo and I'm like, yeah, I'm drawing a blank on it. But actually, no, I didn't draw a blank on it. it it's things that I'd heard about. I was completely unable to take that in because I was stuffed so full back in that time. Yeah. And I think it also exactly. is true that if we can take some basics and learn something about the basics, okay, I can kind of work my way around the wheel of the five phases, you know, maybe I've got kind of a sense of that after a few years of practice. So you work with these things, you get a little bit of comfort, you get some mental models that kind of work or you recognize where they don't. Then you're more ready to take another step like what I think you're talking about. I think it does make sense. It it takes a kind of readiness. You have to be sort of cooked enough to be able to get that.
2: And also maybe bored with using the same points and getting stuck in those ruts that people do get stuck in because it is a bit like that. You're like, oh, God, I don't know. I suppose I'll do spleen six then. You know it's like really, so what is this is what I really, really love about teaching stems and branches because i'm I'm completely selfish in my teaching. I do this because it forces me to keep on rereading and thinking and applying, so I'm doing it for myself. I'm not really doing it for anybody else's benefit, and what I love about it is it's a little bit like being a vegan, you know if you're a vegan, people always say oh my God, you can't eat this, you can't eat this, you can't eat this, you know, what do you eat? But actually restriction and, you know, sort of forcing yourself to be, um, to think more, to use your mind, to really sort of concentrate and focus and try and find a way around it causes you to be substantially much more creative.
0: Yes, absolutely. And
2: that, I love that. I love that. You know, I don't, I don't want to be
0: bored. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I hate being bored.
0: I understand. Well, and but I also this thing about that you're doing it selfish. I also want to suggest that there is the possibility that when we go deeply into something that we're curious about, because it somehow feeds us and then we take it and share it with other people, it's actually a very generous thing to do. Maybe. And and very creative, super artistic, right? This is where art comes from.
2: All I know is that I love it. I find it completely fascinating, and I'm I'm still studying it more and more and more. And um, the more I study, the more I learn, and the better my teaching gets. So, yeah. you know.
0: Absolutely. That's great. So uh, we're going to come back and do a part two. I hope you'll agree to that. But before we wind this down, there's just a few other things that I'd, I'd like to ask you. Okay. What is sort of at the edge of your horizon? It's like, what's the thing at this moment in time That's really got your attention. You don't understand it, but you've got a hunch. It's got your attention. You're putting your study and your efforts toward it. Hmm.
2: Currently, I'm actually um, reading and writing a chapter about yatromancy. It's a big word that means divination for medicine medical divination, and that's actually a lot of what stems and branches is about or originally what it was about, although not necessarily now. I've sort of really, really got into um, understanding more about um, ancient and medieval um, divinatory schemes.
0: In service of healing.
2: Exactly. Because there are chapters. In the Huangdi Neijing that um, still incorporate some of these schemes. Because you know that the Huangdi Neijing is just a compilation of different things and they put it all together and then, you know, different bits, you know, some of them you look at them, you think, what is that all about? So that's where I'm going.
0: Wasn't it originally titled The Idiot's Guide to Medicine?
2: (laughs) I don't think it was. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Head scratching moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And if
2: those are idiots, how idiot idiotic are we?
0: Well, you, you know, I, I mean what I mean is we have these different guides these days. You know, they call it the idiot's guide. I'm using idiot here in, in air quotes. Yeah, um, I know. What but you, mean. you know, they're they're like simple guides to like how to get stuff done, simple guide to fixing your car, simple guide to, you know, how to build a wall, simple guide to how to heal your ulcers. Um
2: And chapters one to five of the Wen are the Idiot's Guide, along with chapter Suen eight. So, you know, if you really want to get into that number thing, you know, number one, Suen one talks about the totality of your life. Chapter two talks about yin yang. Chapter three talks about things to do with three. Chapter four talks about the seasons. And chapter five talks about the five phases or the five elements. Oh, chapter six talks about things to do with six. Chapter nine talks about things to do with nine. And chapter eight is the one that talks about, you know, the administration, the 12 officials, they call them in the Worsley School. So it's the numbers are inherent in the book. I'm not making this up. This is totally in there.
0: I I, I hear you say it. And I think to myself, how come I didn't notice that? Because I hear (laughs) you say it and I go, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That makes sense. Okay. And of course, if you're doing numbers the way the Chinese love to do numbers, why wouldn't you write it that way? I mean
2: Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't why wouldn't they organize it in that way? It totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah.
0: Oh man, I'm I'm gonna this is the cool (laughs) thing about the classics, right? You get a little glimpse, a little insight like this. You can go back and read it. It'll have something completely different to say.
2: That's right. Yeah. I know. That's it's cool. outrageous.
0: All right. One more thing and then and then we'll wind it down for today. Two more things. Actually, two. So the first one is, I mean, you've been at this for a while. How, how long have you been practicing?
2: 20 years. Yeah,
0: 20 years. Okay, that's a while. A couple of decades. <laughs> <laughs> I know when we start out, we often have ideas about how things are and then those modify over time and those modify again over time and those modify again over time. I'm curious to know what about our medicine you believe today that you didn't believe five years ago?
2: How to answer that? Um, I believe that time moves in a cyclical fashion. It's a spiral. So you come back, but you're at a different level. So you keep on coming back. So you see the same thing, but in a different way or from a different angle. So um, for me, this is... This has been a a cyclical journey of exploration, and all that's happening is that I'm understanding my eyes are opening more and more. I do not feel that I'm ever going to learn enough. I think that I would need at least 10 lifetimes to be able to understand this properly, and I totally regret not having started this when I was much, much younger.
0: Yeah, but you know what? I think we always started exactly the right moment it was for us to start. Mm.
2: Yeah. That's definitely true. I think it's and, you true, know, there, true. Was, there were books that I had when I was 14, 15 that were still in the area of things that I then wrote my dissertation about and I'm still thinking about now. So, obviously, I'm stuck on that spiralic path around some particular thing that has something to do with numbers. That's all I can say.
0: That's great. It's super fun. <laughs> yeah. All right.
2: And with respect to practice, I don't yeah. know. My patients keep coming back. So, I guess I must be doing something right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, have you noticed that your patient load and and sort of what characterizes the people that come to see you changes over time?
2: Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. At the beginning, it was when I needed to learn about something, then I'd have a whole load of patients with that syndrome symptom area. Now it's not so much. Now it's more like okay, I'm I'm changing in the way that I practice, in my understanding, and I'm attracting much much harder cases.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're up You're up for the task now. Yeah, right? I
2: definitely couldn't have done that before. Well,
0: you, you were just talking about spirals. Yeah. Right? And so you're another couple of turns on that spiral.
2: Yeah, slowly, slowly.
0: But yeah, my, my lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you have any advice for new practitioners? I mean, getting out of school, right? You're out of school. Your mind's been blown for three years. You're stuffed full <laughs> as a goose. And, you know, how do you start a? I pra- I mean, do you have any advice for the new practitioner? Just like. You know, if you could go back and talk to yourself 20 years ago, what would you say?
2: Go back to basics. Mm. Go back to basics. I know when I started, you know, my head was so full of stuff. I felt that I would never understand anything. So I thought, okay, let's just make this really simple. Is it yin? Is it yang? Is it on the left? Is it on the right? Is it at the top? Is it at the bottom? What can I do about it? Literally that simple. That's it. And then go back over your notes, you know, instead of just look, putting them aside and burning them like people do when they finish school. Oh, I'm going to burn my notes. Hooray. Then, you know, go back over the bits. Reread stuff. That's why I said about being very selfish is that I get the chance to reread my notes. I get the chance to go over it again. And every time I have a different level of understanding. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a total gift. You know, yeah.
0: it's it's endless. And that's the gift and the curse.
2: Yeah. I'm going to call it a gift, though. Yeah, it's definitely a gift. Yeah. I'm 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 a lifelong learner. Yeah,
0: great. <laughs> Deborah, this has been wonderful. I'm now I'm I'm sure I'm gonna see number five in, in all kinds of other new ways. But and, everywhere. Yeah, and the <laughs> six too, the five and the six and the six. Oh, Don't boy. forget the right. six. I'm watching And we this...
2: need to know who who the six is in Umbrella Academy too. I'm trying to remember who that is.
0: Yeah. Is it Vanya? Is is, it? Is
2: it maybe. No, I think she's seven. No, I
0: think she is seven.
2: Maybe it's, uh, I'm
0: going to have to go back and find out. All right, we'll put it in the show notes for you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, how cool.
0: (laughs) Deborah, thanks so much.
2: Oh, thank you, Michael. It's been brilliant.
0: Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological,